This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Avengers and Archie Comics, and you're listening to, or about to listen to, the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 468 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. My name is Matt Bob. Is that a real number? Is that a number? Yeah. Make that up? No, 468. It's our legacy numbering. I don't buy it. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Each week we discuss Wednesday's new comics, comic book movies, TV, news, and stick our dental instruments into the festering cavities of the Internet to expose all the rotten nerd rumors. Gross. As always. And like we always have, we start with reviews because we (laughs) always have and it's never been different. So, Joe, let's kick this nerdy ball down the field, shall we? Why don't you hit the nerds with your main review for this week? I'll do it. This week, I'm reviewing Daredevil 595. Again, I'm not sure that's a real number. From Marvel Comics, written by... Who's the poor jerk that had to count? (laughs) (laughs) Some intern. (laughs) Written by Charles Soule, with art by Stefano Landini. Colors by Matt Mila. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. Mayor Fisk! Part one. New York City has fallen to Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, Daredevil's greatest and deadliest adversary, Matt Murdock has the law, and he has his superhuman abilities, but Fisk has an entire city on his side. What can one man do if he's Daredevil? He can fight! No, no shit. Yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) kind of how they do it. I have not read Daredevil since a few months into Charles Soule's run on the book. Yeah. I hated the black costume. I hated it, too. Hated it! I thought I was going to like it. First time I saw it, I was like, that's kind of neat. You know what? It stuck around too long. It did. If it was a thing where it's just like, I'm doing it for this one mission or something, you know. It wasn't the black. It was the swoopy Ds. Yeah, I did not Ugh. like the Ds at all. And I wasn't a huge fan of Matt Murdock switching sides from defense attorney to prosecutor. By just, the way, this week's title, Swoopy Ds. Swoopy Ds. <laughs> uh, it just it seemed at odds with his character, who's all about like seeking justice for people. Yeah. But here we are with the first issue of the Marvel Legacy era. And all credit to Soul, it, I thought it was a pretty decent jumping on point. The recap page tells you the basics of what you need to know, and the story itself fills in the details as it moves along. It did seem a little wordy at first, but I eventually fell into pace with it. The major development moving into this arc is Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, and his successful bid to become mayor of New York City. Fisk ran on a campaign that promised to shut down vigilante heroes, and he won. And it doesn't seem like there's a damn thing Daredevil can do about it. It's a compelling setup to the arc, and Soul has a good handle on the classic character dynamic between Murdoch and Fisk. However, I'm still missing one big piece of the puzzle. How the hell did the world forget Matt's secret identity? Didn't we figure that out? I don't I don't know. I haven't been reading it. I'm tweeting about it right now. Not even the somebody king, better call not in. even the kingpin knows anymore. Somebody better call in with this. I can't remember. I need somebody to fill me me in on this, and I'm looking at you, Tim Benson, my number one go-to source for all Daredevil knowledge. The classic red suit is back, which is wonderful, but the art in this issue, courtesy of Stefano Landini and Matt Mila, is kind of inconsistent. Landini's style has sort of a Michael Lark vibe to it, which is nice, but his faces can get really awkward and his panels are very claustrophobic on occasion, 
which is a huge problem with the outdoor and action shots, where establishing location and clarity of movement is really important. Overall, I enjoyed this issue, and it felt really nice to read a good Daredevil comic again. I'm giving it a strong skim it because the art didn't really do it for me, but I'm at least on board for the rest of this arc for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. And they do just kind of fling you into it like, boom, Wilson Fisk is the mayor. But I, And I think that there was a lead up to that. I I'm just sure. haven't read it. I haven't either. And I was fine. Even if there wasn't, I was okay with it. You know, yeah, he's the right. kind of guy that could probably finagle something like that. Right. Hell, Lex Luthor has been the president before. Exactly right. I mean, this is well-trod territory for comics. Yeah. The villain becomes a respected, quote unquote, legitimate leader. Yes. The only thing I don't buy is Matt Murdock as a prosecutor. I still don't buy it. It just doesn't seem like something he would do. It doesn't work. Yeah. But other than that. I thought all of this was fine, and I'm probably going to read some more of it, see where it goes. I like this better than what I had read from Soul in the past. Right. Strong skim it for me. Uh, I do wish Ron Garney was back on the art, though. <laughs> and I think, he might be, I think he might be coming back. I hope so. So, Matt, you switched yours. You were going to make me talk about Damn Dirty Apes. I was. What are we doing instead? This week, I also read a Marvel comic. I am talking about Moon Knight, number 188 from Marvel Comics. It's written by Max Bemis with art by Jason Burroughs. He's a weirdo that spells his name with a C. 40 pages for $3.99. He's an Avatar guy. What do you expect? Yeah, go figure. Here's your solicit. Crazy runs in the family! Part one. A new day is dawning, and with it comes an enemy. Unlike any the Mark Spector, Moon Knight, has ever faced. Moon Knight has always been a protector from the shadows, but the new enemy is looking to extinguish that shadow with blinding light and fire. Wow, spoilers. <laughs> Get ready for the introduction of Moon Knight's greatest nemesis, plus three bonus Marvel premiere pages. Primer, which, primer page. Primer! <laughs> Whatever! <laughs> Moon Knight has quietly become one of Marvel's most underrated titles in the past few years since the characters relaunched by Warren Ellis in 2014. It was then the book sort of became a look at mental health and mental health diseases, how it not only affects Mark Spector, but also those around him. I've always been a huge fan of Marvel's knockoff Batman with mental issues, but I have to admit, Moon Knight has never had a real solid rogues gallery worthy of the character. Writer Max Bemis, I agree with that. Yeah, writer Max Bemis is correcting that with his first issue, introducing readers to a new Moon Knight nemesis with similar mental illness background. In fact, outside of a dream sequence, Spectre isn't even in this first issue. But that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Bemis uses this first legacy issue to flesh out Moon Knight's new enemy with an excellent story told from the point of view of a psychologist obsessed with Spectre's case. Jason Burroughs has come a long way yeah. since his days at Avatar and bloomed into a truly amazing artist. It was very Jamie McKelvey yeah. looking. That's what I was thinking too. Gorgeous. He masterfully uses space in his panels to convey real emotion, loneliness, and terror at times. Like I like I was looking at this art and for most of it, it's a lot of like sitting in offices and yeah. talking. Yeah. Right. But when it switched gears into that dream sequence, man, it was, I yeah. was like taken aback. I was just about to mention that dream sequence where the mummies are coming out of like the hole in reality. Ooh, yeah. that was scary. Moon Knight seems to be experiencing a renaissance, and I'm really excited to see how this new villain moves the story forward. They're setting something up here, and comics don't get to do that enough. So don't tell me it was a slow read. Read this because it's going to be good. I'm giving this a buy it. I really think this is going to be a fun story. I thought it was super compelling. Um, my one complaint was that that psychologist makes some really bad choices. Well, <laughs> like, I think she's also nuts. 
Well, she's definitely nuts now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think they were expressing that like she had gotten lost and even her friends were like, you're obsessing over this. Yeah, uh, I guess that's know. true. Like I'm reading it and she's like, oh, here, here's a here guy I'm trying to help. Here's a window into the psychosis of another patient well, that I failed. It's almost like she was trying to recreate something to kind see of. if there's any sense to yeah, it. It's just, you I'm know like, what I mean? Lady, this is all your fault. What have you well, done? Yeah. <laughs> she is a bad guy. She has done bad things. Definitely. Um, um, and I did think it got a little, it made me a little, a little bit uh, cheesy, a little bit in the descriptions of mental health issues. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to tread a thin line here. Uh, Max Bemis has written a lot of comics yeah. that have that deal with mental issues. He, he definitely likes to write about this, uh, especially in conjunction with the fantastic, like superpowers or whatever. Right. Um, so you know, it's it's nothing he's not done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did. I thought it was a really compelling way to set up this villain. Yeah, and I didn't think it was a slow read at all, and I. If anything, I'm a little bit worried that they chose Moon Knight for the book to do this because it's a character that can't keep a series going. It's true. I mean, how many times has he been relaunched? Like, he had been canceled and they brought him back for Legacy. Yeah. Um, and here they've given us a first issue where the like, main character is not in the book. They've got to know, though, that Moon Knight sells X. And yeah. as long as we're at X, we're happy. And if we're above that, great. And if we can build a story here that people are like, I need to check that out. You know, why not go for a little slow burn here? Yeah. And we've tried the slam bang thing several times and it's worked once or twice. Sure, right. And I'm just glad he's not Wolverine, Captain America, and Spider Man anymore. Ugh, that was dumb. I'm sorry, Bendis. That was not your best work. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I, the new villain is scary. Yeah. The art is great. It's a buy it for me. Go Moon Knight. That's it for our main reviews, but we want to hear from you nerds. So we're going to post these on TwoHeadedNerd.com so you guys can respond there. Or you can go to the review section of the THN forums. But now, ludicrous speech. Time to talk about everything else we read on the toilet this week while we review eight more new comics for a segment we call the Ludicrous Speed Rounds. Ludicrous Speed, go! Action Comics 991 from DC. The cat's out of the bag at this point, right? Mr. Oz is Jor-El. Yeah, yeah. And everyone knows it. It's yeah. been on all the news sites. And if you don't know what that means, you don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he regrets sending his son Superman to such a broken planet. Like he got there, he's like, oh, this place sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, there's more to it than that. It's like you sent your kid to Cleveland, you know? <laughs> but Superman isn't about to take that shit from his old man. It goes all our Cleveland listeners. Yes, yeah, great. So now it's time for Cats in the Cradle on a superhero scale. I've been enjoying this journey Dan Jurgens has been taking us on, even though it's obvious that any real revelations are being saved for Doomsday Clock. Yeah, they're stretching it. Uh, Victor Bogdanovich's art is dynamic. It's just a little awkward, though. Uh, it's a compelling issue. Tough to recommend to anyone not invested in this whole Watchmen business. Strong's given. Let me ask you real quick. Do you feel like they're stretching it big time? Because I felt like that story had a lot of momentum, and now they're like, oh, let's slow it down until we get to the Doomsday Clock. Yeah, I think maybe they revealed Mr. Oz's identity too soon. Yeah. Because now we've got, like... Now we're treading water. Doomsday Clock doesn't come out for a whole another month. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's. I think the, the real problem is that the issues come out so fast. Yeah. Twice a month. There is twice. Yeah, there's two a month. So, Master of Kung Fu 126... 
From Marvel Legacy, one-shot question mark? Yes, it's a one-shot. Ex-WWE star and failed UFC fighter CM Punk writes a lighthearted story of Shang-Chi and his monkey fighting Dr. Mal practice. <laughs> boy. And his army of bumbling ninjas and trained animals. Yes, he's building an army of kung fu animals. Punk tries to write a clever and humorous take on Shang while exposing the evil of animal cruelty, but it does not work at all. Too much narration, uneven art, and tongue in ch- and a tongue-in-cheek story that goes nowhere. This was stupid. I'm giving it a leave it. Who decided that we needed a parody version of Shang-Chi? It's not even like parody. It's supposed to be like this breaking the fourth wall. Kind no. Of, yeah, you don't need that at no. all. No. It was just dumb. Batman Lost, number one from DC. Lost in the Dark Multiverse. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was supposed to be in there somewhere. No. <laughs> Lost in the Dark Multiverse, Batman must fight against his darkest fears to escape Barbatos' prison. Can we call it the Metalverse? The Metalverse. Yeah. This was a really entertaining, fun is the wrong word, tour of a series of potential pasts and futures for the Dark Knight as he tries not to succumb to the dark god Barbatos' tortures. Essential reading for fans of the current metal event. Essentially, this is metal number you know, right. 4.5 or whatever. But they chose not to put that on the cover. Yeah. And just make it look no, like... No, I mean, I think I think Dark Knight's Metal was on the cover. But I don't think it was. It had to. Uh, maybe it was. I hope so. Uh, and it had beautiful art by Yannick Paquette, Doug Mankey, and Jorge Jimenez. It's a buy it. The first I thing I do it. is tear the cover off of every comic I buy. I just don't even look yeah. at them. Yeah. Good idea. Kong on the Planet of the Apes, number one from Boom. Ryan Ferrier writes this crossover that takes place in the classic Apes movie continuity. Here, Doctors Zaius and Zira are brought in to investigate the corpse of a giant ape that washed up on shore. Don't forget Cornelius. Oh, yeah, he's there too. Which leads to an expedition to find out where the beast came from. And you guessed it, it's Skull Island. The story moves a little slow, but it's very well written in the spirit of the old films. And Carlos Magno's art is stunning. It is incredible on every page. His best ape artist ever. I'm saying it. Buy it. Boy, it was boring. How, see, it was a little slow, but the movies were a little slow. You know what you this know? comic taught me? I don't give a shit about the classic Planet of the That's Apes. That's fair. That's totally fair. She-Hulk, <laughs> number 159 from Marvel. Jen Walters heads into Marvel Legacy, still scarred and broken from her near-death experience in Civil War II. So it's a perfect time for the leader to show up and attack her physically and mentally. I'm not convinced that this serious take is a viable long-term status quo for it's a character not. like Shield. It's not. But Mariko Tamaki's script convincingly depicts someone that's struggling to recover from trauma, and it's really compelling. It, right. I mean, I'll it's read it. I've really read it. well done. John Oi Lindsay has an interesting art style and uh, an interesting grasp on human anatomy. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, I'm... She-Hulk is great. I'm sorry. The art is a little iffy, but the story is awesome. It's okay. a buy it. All right. This is not the She-Hulk that I want forever. Yeah. But right now, it's good. Let's get over this. Coyotes. I know it's coyotes. Yeah. Number one from Image. Sean Lewis writes the story of Red, a little Mexican girl running from wolves that devour and murder the women of the city of Lost Girls. The story mixes real-world horror of the Mexican sex trade with aspects of the supernatural, namely likening the men that hunt these women to literal wolves. Caitlin Yarsky's art is wonderful with almost J.H. Williams-style splash pages, but a more animated panels. Coyotes was an amazing book that featured an unlikely but empowered female lead trying to find joy and strength in an awful place. I'm giving this a buy it. I'm still not totally sure 
if she's actually fighting wolves or not. <laughs> Whoa. It was great. Point of Earth, number one from Image. What if, instead of with a spirit of exploration or domination, aliens came to Earth to strike a business deal? That's- I think they already have, and that's why we have our president. <laughs> that Yeah, it's like, I, I imagine the men in black like command center where How it's are we like, going to sell this alien thing? It's like, ah, we'll blame it on the Russians. It's fine. <laughs> with the grid of like celebrities <laughs> secretly that are aliens. Yeah. yeah, he's on there. That's the high concept behind Port of Earth, and it's awesome. Eclipse writer Zach Kaplan teams with the wonderful art of Andrea Moody for a series where everything that can go wrong does. Fun idea, great art, Port of Earth gets a buy it. Iron Maiden, the legacy of the beast, number one from Heavy Metal. For one reason or another, the good people at Heavy Metal decided we needed a comic book starring the iconic model of every Iron Maiden album, Eddie. Here, Eddie, who speaks in grunts, meets a caped woman named The Clairvoyant, who has powers of future sight, flight, and over-narration. The story was pure nonsense that was vaguely peppered with Iron Maiden lyrics like, Run for the hills! Run for your lives! <laughs> Even the art was fine at best. Would I like to know the history of Eddie? Sure. But if this is it, then no thanks. Leave it. Look, <laughs> it was dumb. <laughs> how does it make sense for flight to come packaged with psychic powers? I don't know. Telepathy. Wait, there's no explanation who she even fucking is. She just shows up. She's like, hello, Eddie. I am the clairvoyant. <laughs> it was like when they met the dungeon master in the beginning of the D&D cartoon. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> That is your ludicrous speed round. And fack, cack, chick, tack, krishk is the sound of Captain America taking out the weapons of an entire squad of Nazis. I'm sorry, I meant white supremacists. I don't want to be insensitive. As seen in the white pages. White Nazis. <laughs> seen in the pages of Captain America 695. This automatopoeia was submitted via Facebook by Black Scorpion Third. If you hate Nazis as much as Cap does and want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, hit us up on any of our social media or shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Also, if you want to read our full reviews of these books, along with other reviews from some nameless love slaves out there that don't do anything worth your time anyway, head over to the review section of twoheadednerd.com. I'm kidding me. I love their reviews. And tell me, just how wrong I was again this week. In fact, it was my written review of Captain America from last week that led Black Scorpion to buy it this week. Hey. And submit this on Mount So it was new to him. It was new to him. Matt, there's been a lot of criticism about comics journalism lately, about garbage clickbait sites who we won't name here, but... We're too good for that. Their initials are CBR. I'm just glad we've come to peace with accepting bribes for good reviews, and now we can come clean and unveil a brand new, completely remodeled Sanctum Sanctorum. Ooh, it's gorgeous. And all we had to do was tweet positive reviews of Marvel's Inhumans. I love this job. What say we cuddle up next to the newly retiled fireplace of the Vashanti on our new Mindless One skin couch? It's a little rough. It's uh, yeah, firmer than I was expecting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and talk about our must-read comic picks for next week. Next week, I'm excited for Rasputin, Voice of the Dragon, number one from Dark Horse. Yeah. It's written by Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson with art by Christopher Mitten, who is so damn good. 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. 
A conspiracy involving the Third Reich and dead members of a sinister secret society sets Professor Brutenholm on his first mission to find the man who'd soon bring Hellboy to Earth. The mad Russian sorcerer Rasputin had been thought dead since 1916 when a group of noblemen sought to end his influence over the Tsar. Now Rasputin works with the most twisted members of Hitler's inner circle, and he's about to cross paths with the man who'll go on to found the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. It's the history of Rasputin. Blood dumpster. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm excited for this book. Yeah, it looks awesome. Joe, what are you reading next week? My pick is Doctor Strange number 381 from Marvel Comics. I just can't get enough of that Marvel legacy stuff. I know. It's written by newly exclusive Marvel writer Donnie Cates with art by The Vision's Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. Ooh. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Loki, Sorcerer Supreme Part 1. I'm sorry, Part 1. Part 1. Yeah, that's not capital. No, no. Evil is everywhere, and the world needs the Sorcerer Supreme more than ever. But is the world ready for Loki, Sorcerer Supreme? He has the cloak, the spells. He's even got Zelma Stanton as his assistant, and possibly more. Who's Zelma Stanton? I don't know. Okay. But is this the chance he needed to become a hero, or is the God of Lies dangerously close to unlimited power? And what happened to Stephen Strange? (laughs) That's what I want to know. I guess we'll have to read to find out. Yeah, I... I fell behind Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange from, like, issue two. Not me, man. And I never went back and filled it. It was so good. I, I loved like, it. I really wanted to read it. I oh, just, Zelma's the librarian that's been helping uh, oh, Doctor Strange there out. you go. There yeah. you go. There you go. But, yeah, this, uh, I love Donnie Cates. I love uh, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. Seems like a great place to jump on. Absolutely. I'm into it. The THN Trade of the Week for next week goes to Claudia and Rex. The trade paperback, it's from Lionforge. Bunyo, written by Ulysses Farinas and Eric Fritas, with art by Daniel Irizari. It's-a me, Daniel. <laughs> it's-a me, Irizari. 72 pages for $9.99. Seems thin, but it's 10 bucks. Uh, you know, here's just a solicit. Cheaper than three comics. Yeah, a lushly rendered supernatural fantasy that follows two girls and their mother who find themselves in the middle of a vast supernatural exodus. On their journey, Claudia, that's the only way I can say that, is bestowed the powers of hundreds of different gods, but even those don't help her come to terms with the death of her father. I uh, I used to work with a woman with the same name, and it was pronounced Claudia. Claudia. She was from Brazil. Oh. Uh, so I reviewed number one of this mm-hmm. when it came out. You loved it. It's great. It's like Ben 10 meets Shazam. Yeah. Uh, but with like- Shazam. Uh, yeah, right. Shazam. But with like a plucky teen girl uh, protagonist. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. The art is great. Great creative team, too. Cheap, cheap collected edition. Get caught up. Definitely pick it up. These guys are making great books. Yeah. So there's our picks for next week, but we want to hear what you perverts are reading. Why don't you head over to the THN forums and tell us what you think we need to be reviewing. Well, kids, the news came fast and furious this week, and we want to wrap about it with you. But first, we're going to cram our opinions into your ear holes. Matt, let's talk about this week's I like it when I get to do it. I know. Joe Patrick, it's the biggest news ever. 
BMB, Mr. Brian Michael Bendis. This is from the uh, heel turn desk. Has jumped from Marvel to DC. How do we fit so many desks in here? In a multi-year, multifaceted, exclusive deal. DC made the announcement this week via Twitter, just like our president, with the author retweeting the statement. Here was your quote. We are beyond thrilled to welcome Brian Michael freaking Bendis exclusively to the DC family with a multi-year, multi-freaking-faceted deal. Read DC's tweet. Oh, wait. Why would they? Why did they put that in there twice? I don't know. It's weird. He's one of the premier writers in the industry, having created so many unforgettable stories wherever he's been, and we can't wait to see what he has planned for the DC universe. Bendis tweeted it. This is real. I love you all. Change is good. Change is healthy. I'm bursting with ideas and inspirations. Details to come. Stay tuned. So we don't know anything about what he's going to be doing yet. We just know. We don't know anything about anything. He penned the deal. We don't know why he's leaving Marvel other than from what he says. It's just time to go. I'm going to do something else. And I kind of honestly believe it. I honestly kind of believe it too. Yeah. Bendis doesn't seem like the kind of guy who was being reined in or told what to do. No. I mean, I think he pretty much had free reign at Marvel. And I think he's seen the climate at DC and has figured, you know what? This is my chance to go in there and actually have some creative control over this stuff. Well, but you just got done saying that Marvel did not rein him in. He had y'all. Con- I'm not saying they control. were trying to. I'm saying the reason he has never gone to DC before is because that same climate of creator rights was not there until more recently. Mm. I don't. Think- I don't know. I don't know if that's the case at DC. But um, Bendis is the sort of writer that that could make that happen. I I don't know if there was something behind the scenes at Marvel that just made him want to move on. Like. We've talked about this. Like some of his work has not been great. Well, maybe he feels like he's Lately, slipping. You know? Maybe he feels like he's done it all. You know, it's it's very easy to think. You know what? It's Bendis. We've seen it all. Right. I think that this is a great shakeup for his career. Definitely a huge win for DC. Yeah. Also, no word on like how soon Bendis is leaving his Marvel projects. What's going to happen to his creator own stuff? Yeah, I'm curious. So I don't know. Well, is it just going to move to like his powers going to move to Vertigo? I, I don't know how know. it's going to work. I, I mean, when, when was the last time an issue of Pirates came out? Four years ago. Four <laughs> years ago. Um, there's, Marvel, a, there's other news, too, swirling oh, around the uh, Marvel right, toilet. Yeah, listen. This, <laughs> there's a story to tell for this one. In addition to the Bendis news, rumors have been swirling that Jonathan Hickman will soon be making his return to superhero comics at DC. And THN News' Hickman Desk has a hot scoop on that topic. Friend of the show, Keith Binder, has been working on a photography project featuring comic book creators. And he heard something big while talking to a creator who shall remain nameless. Remember when we were making fun of these uh, journalist, comic journalist sites for unsubstantiated bullshit? <laughs> I mean... I love Keith. He's great with unsubstantiated bullshit. Look, (laughs) I know the source, and the source is legit. Oh. Yeah, this is a creator that would be in a position to know big movements at the big two. The word is that DC has offered Hickman the opportunity to revive the Legion of Superheroes, a fan-favorite property that DC promised, Weird. along with other concepts like JSA and Shazam, would make a grand entrance into the new DCU following the mass relaunch of DC Rebirth. They were like, oh, no, no. These right. concepts need their own 
spotlight. Well, and then you need to find the right person to do it. Is Hickman the right person to relaunch your Legion of Superheroes? Nothing official has been announced, but I'm it does Joe seem Patrick. like a, a Hickman announcement is imminent. Joe Patrick, Legion of Superheroes nerd. Is Jonathan Hickman the guy for the job? Absolutely, he's the guy for the job. You don't think it'd be too weird? Like, Why I would, would it re- be weird? Because Jonathan Hickman's a weirdo that writes weird comics. The Legion of Superheroes is a weird concept. I agree, and I think he might fit Full in. Full of weird characters. I think he might fit in really well there, honestly, in the future where he can go nuts and do whatever the hell he wants. I think that could be really, that's the Legion I would read. Yeah, I mean, and I think that this book is going to be, this is a big deal announcement. Right. Uh, again, not happened yet, so right now it's firmly planted in rumor territory. Mm-hmm. This would be the sort of announcement where it's like, yes, Jonathan Hickman is writing it, and for example, Jim Lee is drawing it for three issues or whatever. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, but that's what they would do, right? Yeah. They would be like our biggest artist. Although, you know what? You want someone to redesign Legion of Superheroes? Jim Lee is perfect because everything he redesigns looks it. like it's in space anyway. He's done it. Um, there was a was it an issue of Wizard? I can't remember where it was. Um, Jim Lee has wanted to do the Legion for years. Yeah. And he redesigned a bunch of characters some years ago. Maybe we got Jim and John coming real quick here. I don't, I mean, the Jim Lee thing is just, uh, I made that up. That was just, uh, for example, like, it's going to be a huge deal with a huge artist. Right. And I am excited. I am as excited about Hickman relaunching the Legion as I am Bendis coming to DC. I might be more excited, uh, actually. Okay. All right. Speaking of huge, exciting news, this one comes from the Hollywood Monopoly desk. In huge Hollywood news, the 21st Century Fox was in talks to sell the bulk of its media assets to Disney. According to CNBC, the sale would reportedly include Fox Entertainment Group, the portion of the company which owns 20th Century Fox, and with it, rights to many films, including X-Men, and the Fantastic Four franchises, which means no stupid Doctor Doom movie. (laughs) CNBC's original report referred to the talks as an on-again, off-again relationship, saying they could resume talks in the future. Should the negotiations lead to a sale, the business trade reports that 21st Century Fox would retain ownership of the Fox networks, which Disney legally could not own due to antitrust laws, like Fox Sports and Fox News, yeah, which is too bad. Own news I would and love networks. Disney to roll a steamroller over Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> Should the sale take place, Disney would then own or control nearly all of Marvel's film rights, allowing them to potentially bring the X-Men and Fantastic Four franchises into the Marvel Cinematic U in the same way they incorporated Spider-Man, though they would own the rights rather than sharing or licensing them, as with Sony's Spidey rights. For example, the Fantastic Four can hang out with the Avengers. Venom cannot hang out with Spider-Man. It's so dumb. Right. 20th Century Fox has multiple X-Men-related films currently in development and production with New Mutants, Deadpool 2, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, all scheduled for release in 2018 alone. That's a lot of X stuff. Yeah. A film centered on the Fantastic Four villain Doctor Doom is also in the works. From Legion showrunner Noah Hawley, hopefully. (laughs) I don't know what to say. So my selfish reptile nerd response is like, holy shit, how amazing will this be? How amazing will it be if Disney gets the rights to these characters back and we can finally have Spider-Man aside, but they've got a weird deal in place for that. All of the Marvel characters together, all of them. We should clarify, though, this is not the reason for this deal. This is... 
tertiary, maybe. No, no. The Fox reason, was the reason they want idea. this. No, the reason that Disney wants this is for the streaming rights. They want the streaming rights for all the stuff because streaming is the future, and they are planning on setting up a streaming service to challenge Netflix. And if they can pull all their Disney movies, all the Fox movies. Well, yeah, you're kind of stepping on my third story, but oh, and all, well, <laughs> yeah, this is okay. right. Um, but. I what I read was that like Fox was the one initiating the deal because of there were like business reasons they thought that they could divest themselves of this entertainment business. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like they're in over their skis a little bit with money and production for this stuff, and they know that Disney can take all of it. But first and foremost, Disney wants those streaming rights, and they know that's attractive, and I think they're offering them that. So, okay, like I said, aside from the selfish fan reasons, is it a good thing? A lot. There was a lot of discussion about this on the internet. Like, oh, having one studio with all this stuff can be stifling. Like more and more franchises consolidating under one com- corporate umbrella. I mean, I'd still, I, I don't have a big problem with these franchise movies being controlled like that. It doesn't bother me as much. It's not like, I, I guess if they were buying like, uh, you know, all the rights to their independent film and artwork, that could be scary. But I'm not so worried about the future of Star Wars, the future of X-Men, the future of, you know, there's a map that shows this is how we make money on those. People are pretty much following that map. They're doing a great job. I'm not saying it's completely unoriginal, but they're not going to screw that up. That doesn't scare me as much. I mean, I, I don't mean creatively. I'm, right. I'm not worried about the creative side. I'm worried about like, you know, in the future, all fr- restaurants are Taco Bell. Sure. <laughs> because they won the franchise. Sure. Us. You know, it's like every dystopian future has something to do with like one corporation ruling them all. Right. And, you know, it's like it seems like more and more where we're headed and Disney is probably going to be the one. For right now, it sure seems that way. I don't know. But it, from a purely fan reactionary standpoint, I would be thrilled yeah. for Marvel Studios to get these rights. First and foremost, a Fantastic Four. Without yeah, a doubt. I mean, just... and Please fix that. Salt the earth. Please fix it. Thank you for your service, Hugh Jackman and right. Patrick Stewart. Start over. Yeah. Start over. Just start over. Just do it. It's fine. They already killed both of them, so, I mean... Yeah. Spoiler alert. Wow. Moving right along from the Star Wars desk, Star Wars The Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson has been placed at the helm uh, of an It's Rian. Oh, pardon me. Rian Johnson <laughs> has been placed at the helm of an entirely new Star Wars trilogy separate from the ongoing Skywalker saga, which will feature entirely new characters and locations. Quote, we all loved working with Rian on The Last Jedi, said Kathleen Kennedy. This is what she sounds like, president of Lucasfilm. <laughs> He's a creative force, and watching him craft The Last Jedi from start to finish was one of the great joys oh, of my does she career. Sound like that? Because she's evil. Rian will do amazing things with the black canvas. With the blank canvas <laughs> of this new the black trilogy. canvas. <laughs> yeah, that's my Kathleen Kennedy. It's voice. drawn on in blood. Johnson's going to write and direct the trilogy with his longtime creative partner, Ram Bergman. <laughs> Ram <laughs> Bergman. Johnson addressed the news saying, quote, Oh God, 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 please don't let me screw this up. Star Wars, The Last Jedi hits theaters this December. So, Holy crap, we've got a lot of Star Wars coming down the pipe. So this. This actually makes me feel really good about The Last Jedi because Lucasfilm saw the end result and was like, shit, this kid knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. 
Give him the Star Wars expanded universe. Absolutely. I'm fine Give him it. the new expanded universe. I'm fine with it. And it needs it. We need, like, as much as I love the core canon of the Skywalkers and all of that. Yeah. We need Star Wars because Lucasfilm, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they flushed it all down the toilet. Right. We need the expanded universe to, right. to get filled in. And again. this story is coming to an end. This Skywalker yeah. story is coming to I an mean, end. I mean, I would be fine if they did more Skywalker legacy movies, like if they went in the down the path of like future generations yeah, or whatever. We're, we're already getting those, and I don't But need I that. need to see, like, turn the camera to the left and yes. show me what's going on New over stories. here. New stories. Yes. Uh, like... And people are like, ooh, Old Republic movies. I don't want Old Republic <laughs> no, movies. who cares? I don't need them. Yeah. I don't need them. I need to know what's going on right now in the Star Wars universe yes. in the various corners Let's of the now. Let's keep going. I think this sounds amazing. I do, too. And as you mentioned earlier, in addition to this new trilogy, Disney chairman Bob Iger announced on an investor call that Disney is developing a live-action Star Wars show for its forthcoming streaming service, which is now expected to launch in 2018, not 2019, as we reported last week. I wonder where they got that idea. I know. It's weird. Iger also announced that the service, which will be, quote, substantially cheaper than Netflix. What is substantially? Netflix is $12 a month. So it's going to be 6 Four ninety nine, five ninety nine. That's crazy. Well, because they have less volume. They, and he admitted, he's like, we, have, we don't have as much stuff. Unless they have a merger with 20th Century Fox and can pull all those movies over. Well, even so, That's Netflix Netflix has like literally thousands of just yes. TV shows. No, I agree. But if, Not to mention the movies. If Disney could sign that deal and pull all that crap over, they win. I think like on a... On a, on a Disney streaming service, why couldn't you put everything ABC? Why couldn't you put everything would. ABC has they on there? absolutely would. They would pull all of that over and go, ours. Yeah. Boom. And they I mean, win. CBS All Access has thousands of hours of old CBS shows. Like, right. if you want to go and watch 19 seasons of Big Brother, you can. Oh, God. It's weird. They have weird gaps, weird blind spots. Like, you can watch a bunch of old Cheers episodes. Mm -hmm. um, like, old, old shows, too. Uh, and it's five ninety nine, which I think is a fine deal. Sure. Plus, you get the new Star Trek content. And I think it's a dumb deal. They need to consolidate this crap before we all are buying. You know, I mean, yeah, they're just going to push mean, people to piracy. They're That's nickel all they're and diming. Do. The nickel and diming is going to get old. But a Disney streaming service that has original Star Wars. Yeah. Every ABC show. New Star Wars series. Uh, yes. Um, and also. At least one brand new live action Marvel show, which he also announced. Right. This could mean the now networkless new warriors that we talked about. Yeah. Could be something totally new. And possibly all the 20th Century Fox stuff. I mean, good Lord. I, he went on to announce, though, that the existing Netflix shows, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and their spinoffs, like The Defenders and The Punisher, they're all going to stay with Netflix because they penned pretty long deals there, I'm sure. And that's not yeah, really bad. Right. Thing. And that's fine. That's fine. We're, right. And it, it, they're they're not announcing like we're taking the Runaways show off of Hulu. Right. Or we're taking Cloak and Dagger off of Freeform. But they know those things will be canceled soon enough, so they don't have to worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> so just before you guys call in, we got a couple bullet points to bounce off of you that we want to hear you talk about. Ellen Page has been cast as the white violin in the upcoming Netflix Umbrella Academy series. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. I love it. And the first title out in the now Netflix-owned Millar World imprint will be The Magic Order by Mark Millar. And 
What is wrong with you? <laughs> About a secret order of wizards that got rid of all the magic and monsters to create a normal world we know and who, quote, are out there cracking heads in the shadows so we can all sleep safely in our beds at night. That's the deal and the ancient promise they made to mankind, five families across the world who take care of things whenever they're needed. Sopranos meets Lord of the Rings. This probably explains Coapel's departure from... Pardon me, from Batman Lost. The artist will be a DC exclusive when the magic order is finished. Whew. DC, making big moves. Finally, Marvel announced a new X-Men. Are you going to read all these bullet points? Yeah. Finally, Marvel announced a new X-Men ongoing starting in February with X-Men Red from writer Tom Taylor. Yeah, that name is so dumb. Come on. And artist Mahmoud Asrar with covers from Travis Cherist, who Where'd I that guy go? love. He's making money somewhere. X-Men Red will focus on a team led by Jean Grey after her return in Phoenix Resurrection. No further information about the plot or the cast of the X-Men. I read a little. Has been announced. I read a little bit about it, and they were like, "Yep, uh, it's going to be a, a new squad, some existing favorites, some new mutants, matching uniforms, a new headquarters. Yeah. So it's going to be like old school. Like they'll have like similar motifs. But we're calling it X Men Red. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. Joe Patrick, before we invite these nerds to call us, let's set up their question of the week. Man, I feel like we've been talking forever. We have been. It's your fault. It's not my fault. There was just so much. This question of the week came from D. Murray via the THN Facebook fan group. If you could have your own year-long Elseworlds or What If style maxi series, what would be the premise? Would you have an all-new alternate reality that you'd like to explore, or would you like to revisit an old favorite? Hmm. We have a bonus question, courtesy of our lawyer, Ryan Forrest. Now that Bendis is exclusive at DC... What do you want to see Bendis What do you want to see him tackle first? Who should DC hand to Bendis to chew up and turn into a bunch of mouthy jerks and fight against each other? (laughs) I can't wait till Alan Scott comes to kill the Justice Society of America. (laughs) So there's your news and your question. Joe! Open the phone line! Finally! Here's how it works, nerds. You call us at 402-819-4894. You can discuss all of these stories, and we have some discussing to do. We also need to know, why does the world not know that Matt Murdock is Daredevil? Somebody knows something about this. I don't know if it's been revealed or not yet. Call us. I don't think it's been revealed. Let us know. If you're watching this on Facebook, you can click the Call Now button. It'll ring through. You'll be on the internet. You'll be famous. People want to have sex with you. It's crazy, but you'll get used to it after a while. In the meantime, while we're waiting for you jerks to call in, several of you call in during the week and leave us voicemails with answers, questions, all kinds of stuff. We begin with, as we always begin, <laughs> with JD Gotta Catch Em All. He had to take the weekend off. So he had some stuff going on. Let's see what he's got for us. Morning, nerds. It's JD Catch. You are a caretaker of the Marvel Lake House emailing in for the question of the week. I'd like to call live this week, but it's tax time here, and apparently being temporarily and spatially displaced wreaks havoc on your accounting, so had to take a week off. But I still wanted to answer the question of the week, so here's my pitch for an Elseworlds story, or since it's Marvel, we'll say it's an alternate universe story. I'm pitching a series called Mr. Strange. It's a timeline where Dr. Druid is the Sorcerer Supreme, and Strange was passed over. Stephen finds himself making do in New York as a small-time magician and con artist, bitter at not only the life he lost as a renowned surgeon, but the life he could have had as Sorcerer Supreme. 
However, he has to cobble together what remaining nobility he has and use every ounce of street magic and trickery at his disposal to to depose Druid as Sorcerer Supreme when it's discovered that his place there is due to time manipulation by Belasco. Whoa. I think this would be an interesting story. I just want, and I, I like the idea of Constantine in the Marvel Universe. Uh, basically, hmm. uh, I even see strange in a, in a red and yellow trench coat with a blue suit instead of his cloak of levitation. I don't think we need to go that far. Agamotto. <laughs> we got a hint of how strange handles non mat or having his magical abilities stripped from him in the most recent storyline. I like the idea of uh, a strange who never had that full ability. So he has taken the small magic and just maximized it and pushed it to its limit. I even imagined him maybe owning a, a, a bookstore or a curio shop where he sells or he deals in black market magical goods. I, I feel like, you know, it might be a story that's been told, but to me, I think that would just be interesting to set in the Marvel universe because we really haven't seen that side of the magical world to yeah. my knowledge, but that's just me. So... Thanks, boys. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back live next week, um, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Bye. JD. I like that idea, but I would say let's make it a buddy book. Him and Wong, okay. they like run the they run a little magic shop together with all kinds of tomes and stuff, you know, in the back. That'd be fun. I'm into it. I'd be heavy into it. Mister Strange, Mis- I like it. <laughs> Mister Strange. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who this? Hey, it's Jason from the Savage Land. Jason from the Savage Land. Are you a new caller, Jason? <laughs> you know, I called in once like a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, Thank you for being honest. We'll still welcome you aboard. I didn't know, I didn't know they had phones in the Savage Land. Are you know, it's like a pay phone type thing? Yeah, well, no, we, we have a satellite phone. Now, the problem is there's only one, so we all have to kind of fight for uh, sure. the over who gets the two-minute call. That sucks. <laughs> what do you want to rap about today? What do you want to waste your two-minute call on today? <laughs> um, I, I wanted to talk about Jonathan Hickman, actually. I'm I'm... I, I think I'm excited about him coming to DC and, and I think Legion would be the perfect book for him. Yeah. But at the same time, I wonder what this means for frontier, the book that was, you know, that he's supposed to be writing and drawing that was an originally solicited like a year ago. It was resolicited. Oh, yeah. I believe it was resolicited in the most recent previous. So was it really? it's due out in February. Okay. That's image, right? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it, it's, you know, it's the, Go I don't ahead. know if this will affect him. If even if he signs exclusive, I think that means he Hickman, can still do creator work. Hickman has always, yeah, of course. Hickman has always had the ability to do creator own work up to this point. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the same deal DC offers him, we we will not know. Well, typically, and the we deal don't is, we don't know that he's yeah. going to be an exclusive writer. Right, either. that's true. Uh, he may we, just come he over. might just come to write a book. But I think typically in these deals, yeah. they basically say if you're going to write for DC, you can't write for Marvel. That doesn't mean you can't write. I, yeah, I would think that's image. their primary concern, yeah. right? Um, but I was more, I was more thinking like his, his time. Cause he has a tendency, especially when he's working on big two stuff to kind of yes. let those delays get in there and Dude, the frontier, he's got he's that, illustrating that as well. Yeah. He's got that tendency. Now he hasn't written a Marvel book in two years and <laughs> his books come out so infrequently. Well, he's been keeping up That's on true. his image stuff pretty well. I mean, uh, I can't think of any massive delays. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there is except for the dying and the dead. Yeah. Yeah, the dying. So he he's a, he's great at launching new projects. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Like Manhattan Projects was supposed to keep going, and it kind of fizzled out. 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. East of West, I don't feel like comes out no, super that's regularly. Still, that's still coming out pretty regularly. I've been reading it, and it's monthly, wonderful. Monthly. I mean, they'll miss, I think a, that's also, they'll miss a little bit. I think that's also because he writes it Marvel style, though. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Definitely. I do um, think, though, Legion of Superheroes is the perfect place for a guy to land. And this is going to sound weird, absolutely. but he can do no harm there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his Fantastic Four well, was a perfect run because he can just take the Fantastic Four and all these weird dimensions and spaces and do whatever he wants with them. But when he took over the Avengers, it got a little weird and wonky mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like an Avengers book. Legion of Superheroes, he can go nuts. He's in the future. He yeah. can go totally nuts there. Look, man, some of us care about the Legion, so he can't go Nobody too Nobody but you and Anthony from <laughs> residing in Brooklyn care, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah... Uh, Frontier was resolicited. I was just talking to my buddies online yesterday about this. So it is actually due out in February. Okay. So that's awesome. Luckily, yeah, I, at least that book is safe. Yeah. And I, I think that Legion is, like you said, it's, it's a good place for him because he can have his own corner. He can do his weird like space thing. And, and Legion, they're not consequential to the rest of the DCU. They yeah, can kind of that's true. have their future thing and do, do their own stuff. So he doesn't have to worry about crossovers and tie-ins and shit like that. Like he did with them. Um, uh, oh, his Avengers, Avengers yeah. absolutely. Plague, absolutely. plague by being like the flagship book responsible for <laughs> linking together <laughs> all of these massive events. Yeah, like, and then yeah. not I mean, finishing any of those that. ideas, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jason, thank you for your call. Keep your head down, okay? There's pterodactyls out there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm watching out. All right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling. Later, fellas. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? It's the nitpicker. Oh, boy. I knew when I saw Get your name pop ready. up in the chat. I can tell by the tone of his voice, he's got some nits to pick. <laughs> you know, I've been known to pick nits one, too. All right, Bobby. What are we tearing apart? Who's, uh, who's fun are we Thor? ruining today? Thor. Okay. Let's get into it. You guys have both seen it. Am I allowed to spoil? Yes. Okay. Listen, spoiler alert yes. for Thor. If you don't want to hear any spoilers of Thor Ragnarok, smash your Throw phone. your phone in the toilet or, yeah. right now. So throw your computer outside, whatever. There. You've been warned. Okay. Go, Bobby. Go. All right. First, I don't think Hulk should have been in the movie. Oh, come on. Hot, hot take. Why? Because he was pointless. Pointless? It was a buddy. Yeah. It was like a buddy cop movie. You want to take the buddy but out of even- it? Then we just have Thor bumbling around. He he fights a dog. I I don't care. A giant dog? Yeah, that was a really big dog. A giant (laughs) zombie dog. (laughs) He's going to help him defeat Hela. Shit's going to get real. And it's like, nah, he's just going to like take this dog in the water. Okay, here's here's my argument for why Hulk is there. Thor has lost his hammer. He has been marginalized. He's not the god that he is anymore. And the only thing that made him feel like a badass around Hulk, who is way more powerful than him is the hammer. So I thought that Thor was that the Hulk is a really good foil to keep. But do you Thor think grounded. the Hulk's more powerful than him? Yeah, without a doubt. Like in the movies? Cause I don't see it. I absolutely do. I think the Hulk kicks he's the crap to do out the of the every time. See, I think Hulk in comics wins, but yeah. Hulk in movies loses. Like he was losing the fight. He was about to lose it. And then he got shocked. Yeah. I don't know. In the, in Hulk- the movies, I still think, no, I still think Hulk is more powerful, even just based on what I mean, he did to you, Loki. If you, you think know? back, at least, if you think back to what he did in Avengers, like mm-hmm. he took down that dragon thing with one punch, and yeah. Thor did not but do anything like that. That's true. Thor, he like electrified one of them. 
That's yeah, true. I mean, sure. I'm not saying that Thor is not powerful. Yeah. But Which, this gets my other nitpick. I want the Hulk to be shown to be that powerful in the movie. Oh, okay. that's fair. Like, I just, he barely beats the dog. Like, I, <laughs> well, and I saw you, and I saw you talking on the, in the fan group about it. Like, they barely even show the fight with the dog. Right. And it, they, yeah, it's like underwater, they immediately it take it underwater. And, yeah. Yeah. Keith yeah. Binder, Keith Binder is like, I wonder if that was an homage to the Hulk dog fight from Ang Lee's Hulk. No, like, stop shut it. Shut up, God. <laughs> Unsubstantiated like in the movie bullshit. That Hulk does that like jump finishing move. At least do that on the dog. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I, now I will say, if they are what they were kind of trying to do here in their defense was the Planet Hulk thing. And when Hulk went to Planet Hulk, everybody there was basically as tough as he was. I mean, it was right, but that was the story. Like, this is a level playing field for the Hulk, where you get to see how savage the monster really is against other monsters who are pretty much as badass. Yeah, as when I read Planet Hulk, I got the opposite. It was like, oh, everyone's as strong as him. Wait, he's getting more powerful, more powerful. It's like, oh, Black Bolt just like screamed at him, and he's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, they it's turned like, him how into the, is this guy. He got to the world breaker status because he was pushed to his limits. Yeah, like, you know, Hulk's from as, the atmosphere onto the planet. It's like he could do that. Hulk's <laughs> as strong as he's got to be. Yeah, he's as strong as there is. The, the, ma- there the is. matter okay. Hulk gets, the stronger okay, he gets, and there is okay, no upper other limit. nits. Other nits. Why destroy the hammer right away? I get that, like Chris Helmsworth because she's bad. Kevin Smith's podcast was like, get rid of it. It's like, why? Why would you do that? Well, fuck Kevin Smith, like, get rid of it. That's dumb. But again, they, this is the first movie where we see Thor humbled. This is the story of Thor without the hammer. This is the guy. And the question is, not why the did guy. Hela have the hammer? Why, why would Hela ever need it? She seemed powerful enough without it. She never tried to get it back. Like She should have grabbed it and used it. I think it was just to show I don't need this bullshit at all. My question is you not know? why did Hela need the hammer. It's that why did the hammer work for her? Why was she able to lift it? Well, we found out she's related to him. Yes, I know, but that's not what... That Loki can't lift the hammer. No, I know, but, you know. Uh, it's about worthiness, right? The second the second she was like, let's conquer the universe, and Ona was like, ho, ho, how come Mjolnir didn't just drop straight from her hand? Right. Exactly. So, like, why is there a picture of her... Why even show her with it? I will give like, you, they didn't explain at that at all. back to that? I mean, I didn't I mean, think about it at the time, but yeah, they did not explain that at all. I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool moment. The idea that, oh, like it's a cool shocking moment. Sure. Like, oh man. They should have had her take the hammer. You already established Beta Ray Bill in the statue and have Thor use that hammer. Ooh. Oh, that's shit, right. Man. Did you, did Give you catch Stormbringer? that? Uh, on the outside, yeah. on the outside oh, of yeah, uh, the Grandmaster's <laughs> palace. Fuck yes, I got it. Or the, uh, the gladiator uh, like a Mount Rushmore like of gladiator faces and Beta Ray Bill was one of them. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Give him Stormbringer. That's how you established Thor getting another hammer. Oh, like, man. Okay, great. Oh. Shonix said Hulk took Fenris to Suplex City. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. He took Fenris to Suplex <laughs> yeah. City. Yes. Yeah, that's my favorite thing when they do wrestling moves to finish things. That's I've, like the lamest. Hey, whoa, Bobby. That's how the <laughs> real world works, okay? You piss me off yeah, enough, I'll give you a stunner and show you. After that. <laughs> Somebody's asking for a people's elbow. It's Bobby. Now, had you done the five-knuckle uh, okay. shuffle to the dog? Yeah, that'd be dumb, all right? But a German suplex? Very effective, okay? <laughs> the, clearly the finishing move we were all waiting for. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from with these these ideas, Bobby. Like, 
it it is goofy. It's like here's a fresco of Hella holding me older. Right. And like, okay, okay. I yes. Why does she need it when she can literally summon any bladed weapon she wants at well, any given time? Other than just to show off. Right. And piss right. Thor. Because off. it's cool. And because it, it's and it, cool. Okay, but it also pisses why. all these dudes off right. that have been trying to lift it for her. Can I do a last nitpick? Yes, you got one more. I Go wish quick. you would. Okay. Too too much humor. Like the beginning where he's spinning on the chain, like he's like, wait, wait, wait. One second, and he has, and the guy's just there <laughs> waiting for him. It's like, why? Why are you going this doofy? See, I I like. I didn't mind I, that. At I all. liked the tone of the movie. I will. I will grant you this. Uh, huge spoilers now. Okay, I'm not kidding. The biggest of spoilers. The biggest of spoilers. The tone of the movie was so light for the entire thing, and I was thrilled by it. I laughed the whole way through. I loved it, mm-hmm. but. When Hela shows up on Asgard, she immediately kills all three warriors. Three. Yeah. Like they are nothing. Yeah. And in that moment, I should have felt something. Yeah. I should have. And instead, I just went, oh. And then went right back on with the movie. Don't be sad. Fandra will be back as Shazam in your DC universe. And I don't know. I don't know if I I thought the same thing. Maybe I thought about Mjolnir because I really thought that at the end of the movie, Mjolnir would be restored. Right. Yeah, um, but the power's inside him, so that's cool. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. And, that, I will say it was kind of like eh, eh, I don't love yeah. it. And so, like <laughs> when the Warriors three died, it. I just assumed that by the end of the movie they'd be fat, they'd be back. Like maybe they'd defeat yeah. Hela and everything she did would be undone. Right. Well, I don't that know. Guy just like sit down and he just got knives at him and he died. It's like that's it. <laughs> I mean, they're like trash. They're, they're super Asgard knives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. are just knives. It's not like she just hit him with a tire iron and fan. It's like I got a butter knife. And died, you know. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I thought the movie was pretty good. I didn't hate it as right. I'm making it out. Like, no, you're just definitely the best Thor movie. You are picking the nits. That's what you're doing. It is your job. But yeah, it definitely should have been a little more serious. No Hulk. Keep the hammer. Oh man. Uh, we've got we've got a, a right, comment Bobby. here. Thank you for your call. I now, appreciate hold on. it. I got Bobby so long. But we've had him on the line for eight minutes. Wait. Just listen here. <laughs> Is that we, how long we've been talking? Yes. It feels like nothing, we, boys. <laughs> we've got a comment here from Jason in the chat who says not all the jokes in Ragnarok landed I, I, for him. Yeah. But it seems oh, yeah. that for everything that he didn't find funny, he, at least two of his friends thought they were hilarious. All so, right. Different Bobby, jokes. We got another call coming in. I gotta let you go. Yeah, you should take it. Thanks, buddy. Bye, Bobby. (laughs) Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? This is Seanix. Good morning, fellas. Seanix, it's been a couple weeks. How are you, buddy? I know. Hey, I was in Colorado last week, and the whole time changed. I was like, you guys are doing the show really weird. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm an hour. (laughs) It's funny how the world works. I was like, crap. (laughs) I know. What do you want to rap about today, Seanix? I was calling to... Well, I was going to call last week to rap about Thor because I watched it Friday on the big screen, okay. like this huge screen. And then, but I got to watch it last night again. So okay. I went to see it. It's fresh in the mind. It, it's still amazing. Yeah. It's still good. Um, I understand all the nitpicks, whatever, but <laughs> I understand them. Right. Like for me, I but understand you, everything he said, right. but it, none of them bothered me. None of the things he mentioned well, bothered me. Yeah, like in retrospect, I didn't even yeah. remember a lot of that. Or I was just like, I had so much fun. And I was like, yeah, I guess they didn't explain that, you know? But but my my thing is, is I felt the Warriors 3. Sure. When that happened, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Oh, it hit you. When she arrived, when she arrived on Asgard, like, you know, we didn't need to see some Kirby crackle around her. She immediately was like, ooh, that felt good. And then killed the Warriors 3. Yeah. 
I mean, that was pretty, I, maybe it all felt, maybe, I don't know. I, there was something about that movie. It just, all of the down points still hit me and the humor was still there, but in all the other movies, you had that one broke girl to be able to do all the little jokes. Yeah. Throughout oh, yeah. the movie. Mew, mew. You didn't have the comic relief of Jane and the crazy professor and the boyfriend intern or... Okay, time out. Jane was not stuff. funny at all. Jane was, in fact, terrible. <laughs> yes, but well, I hope well, Jane you know, died she on was the way all back like, to her It was point. always like... Well, she was all like, oh, I'm going to bone that guy. That was her funniness. It was all like, right. he's hot, he's mine. Yeah. yeah. But the thing about it was, it was just like, that wasn't there anymore. The supporting cast wasn't there anymore, so it was all on Thor for like a while. Right, and, and without his hammer, I believe that Thor is awkward and kind of bumbling and doesn't really know what to do with himself. Well, yeah, I totally buy that. And they've just never, they've never really like centered on that, and they've shown it in like the Thor movies because you know the first one he was all like bewildered and all that weird stuff, right. and then the second one. It was just like he was so everybody was like, it's so dark. And then this one, they made it dark still. But then through the laughs in there and everyone was like, it's too funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't this, I, I don't buy that argument. They're like, it's too funny to, to be taken seriously. That's your fault. Yeah. That's your fault, asshole. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, I will say things like when Bobby said when the Warriors three died, it just didn't hit him. He felt nothing. I mean, I felt it. I was like, whoa, she's super powerful and whatever. But I also feel like there hasn't been enough Warriors 3 in these movies to really make me go, oh, no. It's not that I I felt nothing. It's that I felt like maybe the movie conditioned me. I wasn't, uh, the movie didn't prepare me for stakes. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, Yeah, for that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, Which seems odd to say because. Hella shows up immediately, smashes Thor, like Odin dies. Right. Hella shows up, smashes right. Mjolnir. Right. Kicks the shit out of Thor and Loki. Well, it's a perfect way to start that film, too, because the if you look at all the trailers are wacky, 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 wacky. And we all went right. into it going, oh, this is going to be wackadoo Guardians of the Galaxy 3 with Thor. Yay. And the first thing they do is Hella shows up and fucks everything up. Right. They're like it's telling so you. It, it does do all these heavy things, yeah. but it's just presented in such a light way. I thought, yeah. Well, because you have, you have a different soundtrack. There's a different oh, visual like tone to it. Yeah. Mark I mean, there's, there's, all these, there's all these things to it that are different than the other two movies that to me, which have all been Thor movies, in my opinion. I mean, they've all just, you know, he hung out, you know, he fought on the Nine Realms, which we didn't get to really see in the second one. Right. But this one we got to see, and they, they curbalized it. I mean, they just Kirby puked all over the thing. Oh, yeah. And it was so, like, it was just, it had to be that way. No, it You did. had to do it. And if you no gave, one, no if one you was gave the Guardians movies. Yeah. No one was going to sit and watch a super dark series Thor film. Nobody wanted to see it. Like another, like, even the first Thor was too wordy and too, you know, majestic and not cute enough. I mean, they balanced a little bit. It doesn't hold up well. The first Thor movie is, in my opinion, the worst of the three. Oh, no, no. See, this is where you're wrong. Thor the Dark World is a (laughs) terrible movie. I like Thor the Dark World. (laughs) No. I had fun with it. Uh, But, like, I think... If you, I think you need to look at this movie in the same vein that you look at um, Captain America: Civil War. Okay. Yes, it's a Thor movie, but it's it's really a team movie. Yeah. It's an ensemble movie. Absolutely. Featuring Thor, Valkyrie, Hulk, Loki, 
It's just really, like Civil War was yeah. basically another Avengers movie. It's really the first also like buddy film they've done. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I'd love yep. to see it again. Absolutely. Um, I understand the criticisms. Most of those things didn't bother me. And, and from, I do agree. They're from angry people that are mad at other things. Let's be no, honest. No. Like, look, I, your dad did a number on you. I get it. You know? like, oh, I, no. oh, no. I, I understand if you, if you want to say that not all the jokes worked for you, uh, but I don't buy the, I, the argument that it was too funny. No. I don't either. Too yeah. jokey. Shonix, it is always wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for your call. Well, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. You have a good day. You All right, too, you buddy. too. Let's get back to these damn voicemails. Let's see. Stephen Fino. Who's next? Stephen Fino? Haven't heard from him in a while either. Oh, no kidding. Busy in the salt mines counting that coin. Somebody's got to do it. Whoa. <laughs> uh, hello. This is Lord Stephen, Master of Coin. <laughs> So Bendis, uh, I have so many conflicting feelings about this. When I first heard the news that Bendis is going DC exclusive, my first thoughts were, oh God, why? Just as I'm loving DC again, why would you do this? No. And then I cooled down a bit and I thought, well, I have liked Bendis in the past. I mean, he wrote my favorite run on Daredevil and Alias was great. So, you know, if you give him something like The Question or Gotham Central or Blue Beetle or something like low-key, street-level type thing, I might like it. And then I thought about it some more and I realized there's just no way in hell that a creator as high-profile as Bendis is going to leave Marvel and write anything that isn't an A-list book. And when I thought about it, there just isn't any high-profile book that I think Bendis would fit with. I didn't care for his Avengers, so I can't imagine him being good on Justice League. I don't, I fucking hate his Guardians of the Galaxy, so I can't imagine him being good <laughs> on Green Lantern. And his disregard of all continuity means he's probably not going to be good in something that's really continuity heavy, like Batman or The Flash. Uh, he said some terrible things about Wonder Woman, so I can't imagine him being good there. So really, I just don't know what he would do well with. And I want to be proven wrong. I want them to say, like, announce, Bendis is your new Shazam writer, and it ends up being fantastic. But I just don't see any of that happening. So really, just just no. No. See ya. <laughs> okay. So I, he, Bendis, brings up, he brings up uh, a really good point. And not we were, everybody is a huge fan of Iron Man. Well, but we were just getting uh, into that before yeah. Seanix called. The way, and it's probably just because he's always been at Marvel, but I equate his storytelling and his dialogue with Marvel. And sometimes it's great. Like his new Avengers run. I loved, I thought it was incredible, but then other times it can fall a little flat. Like when he wrote the X-Men for a while and stuff like that, it, it gets to a lot of catty sort of infighting. The problem with Bendis is that he's not good on team books. Yes. And I know that you like his new Avengers run. I do. And I do. it was novel for the time, and but it was something that the Avengers my desperately needed. favorite things that he did with it, like, centered around Luke Cage. But every character that he writes in an ensemble yeah. sounds the same. They sound exactly the same. They're all, like, these catty, sort of snippy one-liners. And I don't know where something like that fits in the DCU. It doesn't. And this question, what do you want to see him tackle first? I have no idea. The, like the Justice League, I have no clue. Marvel is different from DC tonally, as Night is different today, right? Because Marvel is all about like relatable human characters that you can listen to and say, "Oh yeah, you know what? They have problems just like me." Yada yada yada. Justice League are gods walking the earth. Yes, they're icons. Yes, they are strong personalities. They don't. 
I'm not saying there can't be banter or humor. Well, but he's also probably not going to be writing the Justice League. Let's be honest. But Stephen raises a good point. This is a huge deal for DC. Are they really going to bring him on and put him on a C-list character? Okay, well... That C-list character would absolutely immediately jump to the A-list. Of course. That's how it would work. Well, here's the thing. I would say, if you're going to do it, well, a great way to do it, put him on Shazam. Shazam would be a perfect book for him. Yeah. You got a kid character that turns into a hero? He could nail that. Thank you for calling THN. Cover to cover. Caller. Who dis? What's up, guys? It's Ketnerd. What up, Ketnerd? How you doing? How's it going? Good, buddy. What do you want to rap about today? Um, I don't know. What are you guys talking about? I just remembered. The right, show's, right now, the we're talking about on. Bendis coming to Marvel. What do you DC. think he should be writing? Oh, pardon me. Bendis leaving Marvel and coming to DC. What do you want to see him writing? Oh, man. Yeah, I, was, I, was, uh, I wrote a little bit about this on the Facebook group. Uh, I'm going to bet dollars to donuts that he's going to write Superman. Really? Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't ditch... Marvel, unless they promised him something big, and Tom King's got his mitt all over back. Yeah. So it's, it's a dad. Superman's a dad. It's going to be Superman. I'm, call, I'm calling my shot. Superman, I was just calling my shot and saying Shazam because they've got a Shazam movie coming. They what, haven't what had a saying? successful. I said, I, my, my shot that I called was Shazam because there's a Shazam movie coming. They would be giving him his own character that he could pretty much reinvent any way he wants as far as like, it's still Billy Batson becomes Shazam or whatnot. We've already seen how great he does writing Miles Morales, like from a believable, like kid's point of view. I think he gets Shazam. That's my guess. That is, you know, I like that. I like that a lot more, honestly, because I, I don't want Bendis Superman. I Um, I don't either. I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're right. (laughs) It's, you know, Uh, it's weird because I, I'm thinking about all these characters, all these like big name characters at DC, and I I consider myself, generally speaking, a fan of the writer, and I can't name a specific big name character that I think he would be great on. And I agree yeah. though. I agree that he's not gonna be lured away from a sweet gig at Marvel to write Blue Beetle. You don't think he's going to break El Diablo yeah. back? Or? <laughs> so, like, I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled if yeah. he did. No, that would be awesome if they said, okay, here's the deal. Take any one of our C, D, E, F list characters and go nuts. Well, and the dude, the dude writes like four or five books at a shot. Mm-hmm. Give him an entire corner of the DCU. Sure. Have him revitalize the question and, and oh. uh, uh, the question and, and, uh, Blue Beetle and yeah. uh, give him a Guy Gardner book. I don't give a shit. Doctor Occult or something. Yeah, I or... mean, uh, yeah, but 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 I think I think that that's like the downfall of Bendis though, because I think that when he spreads too thin, like that's when the quality dips. Because I I yeah, also have true. been a big fan of some of his runs, but when he when he does too much, it's like ugh. And then the voices across the books get too samey, and then like you know he's really bad at like writing all the characters like they have the same voice. So yeah, I I want to see I do want to see him get like a character. But you know what he's gonna do? He's he's gonna get like a big name character. But then he's gonna do what Matt was saying, and he's gonna he's like he did with Marvel. He's gonna be like, oh, you know what Bronze Age character I would love to see again, and he's gonna you know throw like right Ronnie Raymond's Firestorm into his Superman run or some, oh, some you shit know like that. I, you know what I mean? Like be, it's, it's Firestorm is great. I would be That'd totally be awesome. fine with him doing Firestorm. <laughs> I yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Firestorm, Firestorm is the most 
Firestorm's the most Marvel DC character. Like, you know, definitely, like he would, definitely. He would jump all, all and over you want that. to talk about a character that could argue um, with himself. <laughs> right. That's perfect. So in the, in oh, the, Oh God, he would, he would, he would eat that shit up with like professor Stein. Oh, I, yeah. I could actually see a, a good Bendis Firestorm book. That would be awesome. So yeah. In the oh, chat. Man, now, 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 now I kind of want that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> uh, in the chat right now, black scorpion, the three, Jesse Kiefer and Seanix are all kind of debating this question as we are. And, Black Scorpion says, is there any chance that Bendis just creates a character? No. No. Not with this no. ki- not with this kind of fanfare. No. no. no I do way. not. Well, I don't want that at all. But down the line, maybe. No. But there are so many characters. He's not good. We don't he's need any more. There's so many DC characters that need it. help. I don't, I don't see it happening. Yeah. There's too many that need help. And there's also there's also maybe the debate that he's on some vertigo stuff. But I think this kind of wave-making news means that Bendis yeah. is coming to DC on a major marquee character. Yeah. Superhero. I think it's Shazam. I'm calling my shot. Yeah. I would love it to be Firestorm, yeah. but I think it's Shazam. Um, bef- all right, yeah. I, I, I'm, all, I'm hoping for Shazam, but I still think it's going to be Superman. I think that he's coming for, for the big guy. It's- um, before, I, before I go... Because uh, I know you're going to kick me off, but yo, I got I got nitpicks about Thor Ragnarok. I got complicated feelings. Did you guys both oh, see it? We already spoke to Bobby. Yeah. Uh, yes, we did see it. Yeah, Bobby, the nitpicker, called in just a minute ago and 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 laid it out on the table. <laughs> he wasn't a fan of the wrestling moves, yo, the Hulk wrestling moves. Yo, here's here's my here's my quick how I've come to peace with it. I think that I uh, the middle section. Thor on a wacky space adventure, I can accept that level of comedy, but you can't destroy Asgard and kill a bunch of those characters that the movies treat seriously and, and are meant to have more weight and treat it that lightly. I think that they should have let YTD have, have that movie be a complete one-off that didn't touch on like the heavy stuff because it kind of does a disservice to the drama that the other Marvel films want us to invest in the character. No, that's fair. And it just treated it all like a big old joke. That's fair. And it's like, Oh, like, aren't I supposed to care about Odin dying? Like, isn't the, isn't he like the central, like binding force between Thor and Loki and like their reason for their like fucked up relationship. Okay. Yes. For me, and that no. Story's all yes about, and no. For me, for me, that story is all about the family drama between that dad and his two kids. Sure. But the Asgardians, like, ah, fuck it. they die all the time. How many times has Odin died? How many times has Loki yeah, died? I don't know pull, we're, we're talking about the. They're not going to pull that shit in the movies. Yeah, they don't. They don't, sure? have, they don't have time for that kind of stuff. They in the stuck movies. a fucking Beta Ray Bill statue in this movie. You're telling me they're not going to go there? Yeah, with but the they didn't talk kids? about him. You didn't see him. <laughs> I guess I did. It just yeah, for me was, in my mind, throwaway. I was like, well, they're gods. They gods die all the time and they come back. I, but that's just from the comics. Maybe I don't know if the casual. Viewer, right. like Casey, didn't even know who right, the Warriors right, right. Three like were. It, She's seen all three Thor movies, and I was like, "Oh yeah. man!" And she was like, "Who are those guys?" Like she, it just <laughs> because they weren't in the films enough to be that memorable for her, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I get it, and like, and even that, I can, I can even be cool with killing off the Warriors Three. It was just, it was just so cavalier. Like the movie didn't, the movie wasn't interested in having the audience care in that stuff because it was all a joke, and that's, and that's the bummer. It's like the other Marvel films. They're, they're pretty good at, like, balancing the comedy with dramatic stakes. Like, even the Guardians movies, even the second Guardians movie that I had my criticisms of, like, it was like, oh, hey, like, this is, like, a laugh. Yeah. But, 
when it comes down to it, they are, were interested in telling an emotional story and would try to dial the audience back in to care when it was important to care. Yeah. And Thor was a really good time. And like I said, like, I think the middle section when he's on the, just like on the car, what a, that's a blast. You know what I mean? But it's okay to treat that stuff really lightly. But when it comes back to the stuff that's more core to Thor, like in terms of like Thor core? what his deal is. Like, like, the, like the Thor, Thor core, it, for example. <laughs> no, please, let's never have the let's Thor core. be more core grounded with the Thor core but, uh, movie, please. <laughs> <laughs> more, I don't want a cinematic Thunderstrike ever. Please, please Oh, no. stop it, you. Um, but, Some of us loved Thunderstrike. Um, anyway, that's, that's my hot take. I'll, I'll let you guys go and, and finish up the show, but, uh, it was fun chatting with you. Jimmy, good to hear from you, buddy. Thanks, Kat. Talk to you later. Yeah. T- I loved Thunderstrike for all the wrong reasons though. You know, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, nobody rocked a sleeveless leather vest like Thunderstrike. Don't forget the spike shoulder plates and Mjolnir. Spike shoulder plates. Yeah, he didn't, and he had Mjolnir on a chain too. No, that was not Mjolnir. It was oh, his, he had a different hammer. That, well, yeah, like his hammer was on a chain. Yeah, yeah. For uh, he didn't have spike shoulder pads. That was not Thunderstrike. Was that Future Thor? Well, that's Dargo. Dargo. Maybe you're thinking yeah, of Dargo, Dargo, Future Thor. Yep. Oh man, this Thorcore movie. Whew, Where's cannot, Aura when I we need? Cannot it? wait. <laughs> Scott Clark sent us a voicemail for his answer of the week. Hey, Joe and Matt, this is Scott from Cogger Falls, Ohio, calling in for the question of the week. Man, it's been a couple months since I actually called in and uh, talked to you guys, and uh, I've missed you. I hope you missed me, too. But the question of the week was, what was my favorite alternative universe or uh, Elseworlds story that I would like to see uh, become like a continuing story? And for for me, do you guys remember going to the comic book store and filling out these stupid cards that said, who would win Superman versus the Incredible Hulk or Batman versus uh, Captain America? Uh, Yeah, I filled mine out, and then I waited, and finally the comic came out. It was like... Marvel vs. DC, or was it uh, DC vs. Marvel? It, it depends yeah. on the month. Yep. But man, they were stupid. They were terrible, yep. poorly drawn. The stories were really, really stupid. But I remember, like at the back uh, page of like issue five or six, uh, they had all these amalgamated uh, characters on these covers, like Bruce Wayne, Agent of Shield, or Assassins, or Speed Freak. And I, I remember looking at these and thinking, man, it would be so cool if this was real. If, if these comics actually came. And lo and behold, next month came around and there they were. They were real comics. And uh, the ones that uh, I absolutely <laughs> adored were uh, Spider-Boy, uh, which was an amalgamation of uh, Superboy and uh, Spider-Man. And had this coolest explanation for his uh, wall clinging power, where it actually changed the center of his gravity instead of making him cling to walls. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, but the one that I absolutely adored was uh, Challengers of the Fantastic. You know me. I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. So when it came to that, and plus Carl... Uh, no, it was Carl Kessel uh, wrote it, but uh, it was uh, Tom Grummet that yeah, um, Tom Grummet. illustrated yeah. it. And his art was amazing, amazing. But anyways, my, my time's running out, so uh, there's my answer, uh, is uh, the Amalgamate uh, universe. I would love to see that continue, please. Well, I mean, they brought it back, but it was it, it was lukewarm after that. Yeah. But uh, I would love, like, love to see that continue as a series. Man, I, again, I missed you guys. I hope to uh, be able to call back uh, in the future, but uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. No excuses, Scott. Scott, welcome back. You've got Listen. all the time in the world. Welcome back, buddy. 
Uh, I so, loved Amalgam. So loved what Scott's it. talking about, first of all, was the, like Marvel versus DC, where they had all the fans came in, you got to vote. There was who a crossover. Would, who would win these fights? And in true fashion, the public got it completely yeah, wrong. Yeah, uh, you know what? I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care where they are, what's going on. Yeah. If he's sick, if he's dying, right. if he's got one arm, Wolverine does not win in a fight with Lobo. No. Ever. No. Lobo's as strong as fucking Superman. Yes. Like, that is ridiculous. Yes, and that's what happens when you let the fans vote. Yeah, or Storm just kicks the shit out of Wonder Woman. Because no. she hits her with lightning. No. <laughs> Give me right. a break. <laughs> like, uh, in fact, I would argue there is no one on the X squad that could take anyone in the Justice League. <laughs> anyone. Well, I mean, like... If we start talking about like Phoenix level, but this was the nineties, yeah, like Phoenix, I'm right? Just there was no regular Phoenix. X peeps, right? Exactly. No. It's like I mean, Sorry. it's me, Cyclops. I'm here. Who am I fighting? Yeah. Oh, uh, Captain Marvel, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well okay. here we go. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, some of the some of the f- fights went okay, like. You had Superman versus Hulk. Of course, everybody voted for Superman to win. Right. Um, Captain America and Batman. Captain America and Batman actually ended they fought without to a, a winner. Yeah, they fought because, to a draw. Right. Uh, which is the way it should be. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to read a comic book where Batman is the is a, is the loser. Um, or Captain America shoots Batman in the back of the head. <laughs> it's like for America. <laughs> Kaplow. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, at, so at the end of these battles, uh, basically they were forced to battle by these cosmic deities, and um, rather than, uh, and the uh, the idea was like whichever uh, the deities were like the embodiments of their respective universes, right? And whoever's representatives won, that universe got to live, and the other one goes away. Sure. And rather than allow that to happen, Doctor Strange and Doctor Fate, I think, if I'm recalling. Uh, worked some magic and actually merged the universes together into one. And became Doctor Strange Fate. And became Doctor Strange Fate. In Amaglam Comics. Um, and the funny thing is, the person under the helmet in Doctor Strange Fate was Professor Charles Xavier. What? Is that right? I don't remember that. Yes. Uh, so sometimes the amalgam ideas were super fun and some of them were just weird and Boing. made no sense. Yeah. Um, when Amalgam came out for a while, they smashed your favorite DC characters into your favorite for Marvel two years. Characters. For two years in a row, they put out a series of one shots: uh, Spider Boy, Dark Claw, which was Wolverine yeah. merged with Batman. There was a guy that would come into our comic shop. We both worked at the time, and he'd be like, "Where's your Amaglam section? Amaglam. I love Amaglam comics." <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, indeed. <laughs> Uh, 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 one of my favorites was Man of War or Super Soldier. It, it was yeah. uh, was his name, and it was a Superman mixed with Captain America. Dave Gibbons drew it. Oh, dude, Dark so Claw, good. the animated Batman meets Wolverine, Dark Claw. Oh, uh, that was the the second year they did Whoa, Legends of the Dark that Claw. That one was great, which was done in the style of Batman the animated yeah, series. I loved it. Um, but yeah, the second year they had some really goofy ideas that most of them were bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the bad in execution. Magneto with Magnetic Men. <laughs> Like they were really bad in execution, but great on paper. Like Thor merged with Orion from the New Gods, yeah. and it was like Thorion of New Asgard. Yeah, and uh, Iron Lantern, which was done by uh, Kurt Busiek and Paul Smith. Yeah, in like a '60s Silver Age kind of stuff. That one was pretty so cool. Good. That was really good. Generation Hex. Yeah, which was Generation X merged with Jonah Hex, which made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> But it had Chamber with his gaping, fiery yeah. chest wound riding a horse. 
Lobo the Duck. I mean, yeah, come on. It was stupid. Uh, I love Amalgam. I, I would love it if they did it again. Hey, you know, we're talking about Bendis this week. Right. One of the reasons we haven't seen a Marvel DC crossover in so many years is because there was like this blood feud. Yeah. Between DC editorial and Joe Casada and Bendis for things that they'd said when Casada yeah. first took over. And poor Jimmy Palm- Palmiotti was caught right in the middle, right, yeah. just shaking his head. So when Joe Casada took over as editor in chief in the late uh, or early 2000s, um, you know, full of bravado, very Stanley Huckster style persona, right. right? And he said some things that ruffled some feathers. Um, but now Bendis is at DC, Casada's out. Yeah. Casada's promoted out of that position. Yeah. Marvel DC crossover. Bring back Amalgam. Oh, God. Let's do it. All right. We got a, another voicemail here. Let's see who this is. Hey, this is Marcus. Uh, I was wondering what you guys' uh, favorite musical slash play was, and what would you like to see out of the new uh, Star Wars trilogy? Thanks. Bye. Musical slash flight? Play. Play? Hamilton, bro. Oh. Hamilton. Oh, shut up. No. I won't shut up. <laughs> Hamilton is amazing. Good God. Hamilton is amazing. I'm not saying it's I'm not. sorry that, yes, I'm sorry that you have sure no joy is. in your heart. Uh, seven Brides for Seven Brothers. There you go. Uh, what do I want to see out of the new Star Wars trilogy? I think we already answered that. We want to see the camera turning to the left and showing us a different story. Yeah, I'm like. I honestly don't even care what it is. I But I think the Skywalker thing is going to come to an end, and I would like to see more. I would like to see more of the rebellion aspect, like what we got in Ryan Johnson's Star Wars film. You know, I mean, I, his name is Ryan. I was just kidding. I know, but I, I can't stop calling him Ryan. <laughs> I would like to see more of that, more of like how, like the rebellion, the actual rebellion. Yeah, I mean, I'd be into just pick a planet, right, sure. Coruscant or wherever, yeah. and just give me a story about like smugglers or right or yoda's kid or trying what? to become a rap star <laughs> yeah and forced to like have dance battles oh man oh, right man. in this script here we go uh yo dude mm, yoda's kid yo dude. yo dude yo dude one step up you know yo dude two step back <laughs> uh, there's a video yo dude raps dances have you ever seen any of the bad lip reading videos yeah have you seen the, one? the seagull one have you yeah <laughs> Road, 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 jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could be your backpack where you run. <laughs> I love that movie. I love that video so damn much. Oh, it's great. Uh, yo, dude, I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, I don't even need the rebellion. I like, we've heard about the rebellion. We've seen the rebellion. Give me what it, just give me a story about characters in the, that live in the Star Wars universe. Sure. Well, I think you still have to you still have to frame it with they the have empire. To deal with the empire. The well, sure, because they're living under empire rule. Yeah, but it's like show me a movie about World War II where they don't mention anything about World War II. You know? Well, no. I mean, <laughs> well, in the sense that it was all encompassing on the planet at that time. Sure, you know? but and like, I'm not really interested in some interpersonal story that took place in Borneo where they didn't even know it was happening. Okay, but uh, okay, I'm, but what I'm saying is not like, to pick on Borneo. Okay, da- <laughs> Borneo. Save your tweets, Borneo. Borneo, sweet Borneo. <laughs> if you wanted a snack. All you had to do was reach up into a tree and pluck it. <laughs> That's from The Tick. Okay. From my favorite episode of The Tick ever. Gotcha. Uh, I'm just saying, like, the day-to-day life in the most eyes of the cantina. Right. They're not really, like, fussing about the rebellion. And we got that in they're the just, Star Wars holiday special already. <laughs> I guess I guess that story's been told. It was horrible. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN cover-to-cover caller. Who dis? Uh, it's Harvey. Harv. How you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Good. How you guys doing? 
Eh, we're fair to middling. We're doing you know. fine. Some of us are. What do you want to rap about today? Answer the question of the week. Hit me. I got a. I got something really dark for you. Uh, All right. That's funny coming from a guy like so, you. I wouldn't expect it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everybody, you know, from the the one thing that everybody can agree on about the the new X Men movies is that we all loved Magneto, the Nazi hunting Magneto. Yeah. Hell yeah. Right? Oh yeah. <clears throat> so let's, let's go with our other Jewish X-Men. Let's go Kitty pride. Okay. But Neo-Nazi she gets her powers hunter. in the, in the forties and she becomes an, a, a Nazi hunter. Uh, well, like a, a Nazi serial killer who goes in at night and like takes Nazis hearts out and leaves them on the bedstand next to him. Ooh, she is the shadow cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, and Ariel course, wouldn't really work would have to happen where she strike, redeems herself strike, in the end. You know, strikes you know, again. You know? She's doing is wrong, but you know, <laughs> yeah. She's sort of like a spy smasher punisher type character. I love it. Yeah. Like yeah. Shoshana, like Shoshana from yeah. the glorious bastards yeah. or ghost from dark horse. Like she has no corporal form and like, Oh, they think she's a ghost. They think she's dead, but it's really kitty pride. Right. Shadow cat. Right. Uh, and Frank. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is, I don't know about that. That is dark, but I like it. And was a little more of a victim, but you know, <laughs> um, but I, I still wanted to be at, you know, like, 13 doing this. Okay. Yeah. For, oh, like yeah, for sure. Yeah. Super young. Definitely. Yeah. That would be cool. That's a great idea, Harvey. The, I would read the hell out of the that book. The ghost that haunts Nazis. Ooh, man. The shadow cat. Yeah. Ooh. I love it. Nice call, Harv. Good job. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for calling. No problem. All right. Get you some good, good done today. Make good decisions. Okay, Harvey? We're counting on you. I'll try. <laughs> 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 no guarantee. Monday's my birthday, so, you know. Oh, yeah. Shits. Well, it was All nice knowing you. Off. Nice yeah, you knowing go. you. There you go. <laughs> Come on, buddy. There it is. Hey, Joe and Matt. This is Cotton. Hey, gentlemen, just giving you guys a quick call while I'm here at work. Hey, I just wanted to let you know I saw the Thor Ragnarok movie uh, the other night, and it was fucking great. Uh, really good movie. Good movie. Um, lots of visuals. Lots of fucking great, uh, aesthetically appealing lots of uh, colors. Um and just overall, goddamn entertaining, uh, from head uh, from beginning to end. Uh, enjoyed the certain parts. Um, hella looked really good. Hella looks hella good, if you will. There you go. Um, Boo. Nailed enjoyed, it. Been waiting two weeks for the little Matt Damon cameo. Yes. And uh, essentially, the movie from beginning to end. Uh, enjoyed the the intelligence of the Hulk. He acted like a two year old uh, essentially. You know, been there for uh, on the on the planet for that long. Um, the excessive drinking by Valkyrie was great. And of course, um, the hit of acid I did before I went in definitely, uh, made it all, all that much better. Talking about, Uh, baby. Anyways, gentlemen, giving you just a quick call. You guys enjoy your Saturday. Again, uh, cotton, uh, blunted custodian. Ladies and gentlemen. I I don't, I'm going to be real honest. I don't understand that nickname. Blunted? I get uh, what blunted means. Yeah. <laughs> he's smoking blunts. Is he a custodian? Well, he cleans up. Yeah, we named him the teaching custodian because he, he's handling some problem we had in one of the bathrooms or something. I can't okay. remember. 
There she is right there. I, uh, Bad butt I went and saw Dr. Strange on shrooms and it was fucking kick ass. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> cotton was tweeting his, his acid adventures to us. Uh, I felt, I felt weird giving it a like on Twitter. I thought I'd leave that for you, nah. but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I loved it. I loved Thor. I'm sorry. I loved it. There's I loved everything about, about it. There's nothing to be sorry about. It's got I, a, a really good rating. I totally understand everybody's very valid criticisms yes. about the tone. I get it too. But even everybody but that called us today and criticized. None of that bothered me. Everybody that called and criticized said, look, don't get me wrong. I love the movie. Like I'm, a, I'm having a hard time figuring out where it falls in my pantheon. In my in my top five of Marvel movies, yeah, I need to get a little space from it because it's too easy to be like. I need to see. I it loved it. It's the best. You know, I need to see it again. <laughs> but I like. I'm willing to say for sure that I definitely liked it more than Guardians Two. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I may have liked it more than Guardians One. I don't know. I don't know. I have to think about it. Right now, let's get to our answers to the question of the week. All right. Thank you, Cotton. Thank you, Cotton. Always good to hear from you, brother. Uh, just say no, okay? Nancy Reagan taught us that. Yeah. Trump's bringing it back. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> Just say no to opioids. Great. <laughs> fucking idiot. Oh, hey. We just got a voicemail. We did. We better play it. I think it's Brett Merriman. I think it might be. Didn't we decide he was dead? No. Hey, it's martial arts expert and 98-pound weakling Brett Merriman. <laughs> uh, just listening to you guys talking about Star Wars. Hard to talk. Hard to have a Star Wars film without either... A Jedi somewhere in the picture or the Empire somewhere in the picture yeah. just doesn't they can be periphery. But, yeah, I think you guys are right. It's not a it's not a World War Two film without World War Two or Nazi somewhere in the background. Also, I'm sure you've talked Bendis to death, but wasn't it just about two years ago or something that the Marvel lineup was Bendis, Brubaker, Hickman, Fraction, Aaron and Wade? Yeah. And. They had just totally lapped DC, and uh, that is no longer the case. And that was a quick demise of that powerful all-star cast. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Talk to you later. He's worried. But, yeah, I mean, this we have to remember whenever there's huge news like this, like Bendis and Hickman, all this stuff is cyclical. It wasn't a year ago today that we were like, screw DC. They're screwing everything up. They, we hate them. We're mad at them. Marvel's doing such a great job. This is all cyclical. And next year, we'll, Marvel will have probably figured it out and we'll be right back on that bandwagon, you know? It's, this is how it goes. Creators come, creators go. It's not always a big, you know, fight or smoking hole in the ground. Sometimes they just want to do something new, and I think that's all this is. And I'm excited. I'm excited I'm to be excited, excited about Bendis again. Right. And, you know, I think that this can be an opportunity for Marvel. Sure. Because they have long needed an injection of fresh voices. Yes. And they, they, they're doing that to an extent, but those writers need to be lifted up. Um, G Willow Wilson, Kelly Thompson, Donnie Cates, Matthew Rosenberg. These are great writers that they have, that they have that have not been getting the promotion that I think maybe they should because they still had Jason Aaron and Bendis, you know, and now, now it's their turn. Make these guys the next a list squad at Marvel. Right. And DC can have their time with the big guns and the, and then everybody wins. I think that that's going to be a win for everybody. Give us your answer. Okay. So, Oh boy. Uh, you know, it, I'm a big nerd. It's no secret. I okay. used to write and draw my own comics growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, 
never finished a single one. Yeah, you're supposed to be writing and drawing one right now, but you're no. That's what you keep saying, yeah. but I never agreed to that. Uh, uh, that's not true. In fact, I have it in writing. You have it in writing. Yeah, in an email, you send something. We'll, we'll get to that later. We don't. There's no need to air this dirty laundry in front of. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, it was the con- it was a condition of meeting certain Patreon goals, and we did meet them. True. So, I it's guess it's also I, a condition of you buying your new iPad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was your. I didn't even say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, so I had this idea. Okay. Uh, I had this idea for an Elseworlds DC story right. where uh, Kyle Rayner gets chosen to become a Green Lantern uh, earlier than he did in the main DC universe. Okay. In the main DC universe, Kyle was chosen um, seemingly at random, though they later revealed it wasn't random. Right. Um, as the last Green Lantern, the last surviving Green Lantern, because Hal Jordan went crazy, killed everybody, became Parallax, the end. Um, in my story, Kyle is just chosen, and the Green Lanterns are still around. And he, so he's there uh, on Earth when Doomsday uh, arrives. Okay. And during the battle with Doomsday, uh, Kyle taps into an, uh, Kyle taps into the ring in a way that uh, no one has ever been able to before. Like he is able to reach in and do things with the ring that have, are unprecedented, which is established. And he basically like erases Doomsday. Superman does not die. He's like. Bloop. He, he takes out Doomsday. Uh, and this is years before. This was in the late 90s. Okay. So this was years before any of that stuff with Ion or Parallax being a, 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 a yellow bug demon. Disease. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Um, so in my story, uh, this, uh, this is. Like space herpes. Yeah, space herpes. <laughs> space herpes. So Kyle, uh, because he is done this he starts to tap into more and more power he becomes more and more corrupted and kyle becomes parallax okay uh but because he just kind of comes by the power through his own will instead of stealing it from others uh he does not kill the green lantern corps he conquers the green lantern corps and then uses them as his own army to like take over parts of the galaxy man why do you hate kyle so much i love kyle <laughs> uh this is an else just an else world all right um and so and you know, there were going to be like big shocking reveals where like the the heroes infiltrate Oa, the Oa prison to find uh, a prisoner that they think can help them uh, defeat the evil Green Lantern Corps. And right. it's Hal Jordan, powerless, you know, trapped in a cell because he's Kyle's greatest rival, blah, blah, blah. And so it was this it was this version of the DC universe that was sort of similar, but like Superman never died. Uh, the Green Lantern Corps was this force for evil. Right. Uh, and like, I had this huge, I, like, I even, I wrote like multiple page synopsis. Like I had whole plots written out. Like I was serious about it. And then I remembered that I'm not a very good comic book artist. Okay. (laughs) And I didn't move forward with it. All right. Um, but yeah, I have like, I had whole notebooks full of ideas of like this weird alternate, uh, timeline of DC where Parallax takes over the Green Lantern Corps and turns them evil. Uh, there was a future version of it. I had a, I had a future version of Batman. Okay. Where, uh, Batman of like the 25th century meets, uh, the, the Green Lantern Corps are villains 
And he meets the Superman Corps because sure. they had to form a separate core to fight the Green Lanterns. And these are all like characters from different planets. They didn't all have Superman powers. Man, you really thought this crap out. I really did. Jesus. And so like I was big into coming up with my own Elseworlds ideas. I, I love this, this question. Six issues before it gets canceled. 12 <laughs> issues. <laughs> my Green Lantern idea would have been perfect for 12 issues and done. Okay. 12 issues and done. All right. Uh, mine's super simple. And honestly, it was a book that I loved that kind of went off the rails. And I would love to see the creator that made me love it return to the book. I want more exiles. I loved Exiles. It was basically a what-if book with a twist where you had a team of X characters that were jumping from reality to reality where things were different every time they showed up, sometimes for one issue, sometimes for like a four-issue stint. Like there was one where Dr. Doom was a Sorcerer Supreme in this world, and they had to stop him. There's another one where Tony Stark ran everything, but he ran no, it. No, Dr. Like, Doom was Tony Stark. Well, we found out. Oh, you're right, with an iron <laughs> fist. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and they went around solving these problems, and not just that, but also helping, like, ex-characters that were stuck in time and sort of returning some characters to different places or alternate versions of characters. You have so many worthless X-Men right now that are not being used. And I honestly don't need an X-Men red. I don't need it at all. And I think that would be a really cool place to take exiles and, and do something with these cool characters and have them leap around solving problems or even with the cable book. I don't know. That would be fun too. Let cable lead the friggin' exiles and do that. Cable and the exiles. And instead of jumping through time and realities, he's jumping through the Marvel universe, fixing little problems behind, you know, behind the scenes. And we see him at the Kree scroll war. We see him at, uh, you know, the day of Electra died and stuff like that. And like in history behind the scenes, making sure some really good things happen in good way. And also making sure some really bad things happen in a bad way because it steers, you know, the Marvel universe to where it needs to go. Oh, I would love more exiles. I love the exiles. Sounds great to me. Yeah, there you go. Not as creative as my evil Kyle Rayner pitch, but whatever. no, 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 definitely not. But I, I mean, I guess I like Carl Kyle Rayner too much to do that to him. Thank you. I don't to know why everyone I all over Kyle. that called in. Uh, we are going to take a two week hiatus because I am going to jolly old England. I'm gonna. My wife and I are going over there over our wedding anniversary for Thanksgiving. We're gonna hang out with Alan Moore and Warren Ellis. Uh, hopefully we're going to hit up Ian and Queenie for a beer. Friggin' awesome. Super excited about that. Not every person that lives in Great Britain lives in London. You know that, right? What are you talking about? That's what the whole island's called, right? It's just London, right? London, Great Britain, UK, it's all the same thing. Yep, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. But we will be back, and we want to play again. We're here every Saturday answering your questions, dealing with your rumors. Except for the next two. Except for the next two. Excelsior! Oh! That is it for THN 468. If you dig comic podcasts with gigantic swoopy Ds, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Is it swoopy D-S or D-E-E-Z? Well, if we're talking about the rapper, then it'd be swoopy D-E-Z. Swoopy D's. Swoopy D's. Swoopy D's, y'all. All right. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a senses-shattering thank you to everyone that supports us on PayPal and Patreon. You guys are the best. Yes. Without you nerds, we can't afford to feed our army of Moloid Twitter bots that support and defend everything Matt tweets. 
Yeah, this investigation is going to be ugly. But before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to friend of the show, Haley Nitz, and the entire team behind Chasing Hitler in honor of Veterans Day and the official release of Chasing Hitler number one. Thank you are giving away free digital copies to any veteran or active service member. That is awesome. If you qualify, all you need to do is shoot an email to josh at red5comics.com and we will have that in our notes so you can do it. That's the number five not spelled out. And we highly recommend that you do. It's a great book. Word to you, Haley, the Chasing Hitler team, and everyone out there that serves or have served this great nation. Joe Patrick, let me tell you, freedom isn't free. Happy Veterans Day, boys and girls. (laughs) Uh, we're going to take a couple of weeks off. Don't freak out. This is because Matt and his wife are jaunting over to England to hang with the THN British contingent and rub psychotropic drubs on his nipples with Alan Moore. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Until next time, True Believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might swoop your D's. Ooh. Ooh boy. I got a little shudder when I said that. <laughs> this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Signing off.